one of the things uh, that we see is Proverbs, well, you know, I was going to like do a proper introduction. I, I kind of am jumping in. There's the playlist in the uh, comments. And uh, let's go ahead and jump into Proverbs chapter 4. So, you know, Proverbs is a book of wisdom, mostly written by Solomon, who is deemed to be one of the uh wisest men on the earth, and even the Bible said he's the wisest man that ever lived. And so when we go into Proverbs, one of the things that I've found is the wisdom of God will protect you, heal you, deliver you, make you money, save you from things. We need the wisdom of God. This chapter four is is not super complicated, but there are some nuggets in this chapter. There's a couple of them specifically that I just love. And so we're going to go verse by verse and look at it. Like, like I said, it's not super complicated, but there's some things that we need to pay attention to. You know, one of the things that I see as a uh, kind of a standard in the, in the world is that people have this idea of God that he's just up in heaven playing a big chess game uh, with people's lives. And that is actually not the case at all. It's not even close to that. Uh, but what it's very interesting because what the Lord has done, what God has done, is he set up this earth, but he didn't want robots. He gave us choice. And in those choices, definitely, we've made some good choices, and we, as people, as humankind, we've made some bad ones. And, uh, but the issue is this. One of the things that he did was he put man in charge of the earth. So Psalms 115 and verse 16 says, The heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. And so that's one of the pieces that I think has been missed by many people, especially even in religious circles, is that earth is in our hands. You know, God has, God has control of the whole earth and the universe, but he made a decision very early on that I'm going to give the earth into the hands of man. Now, and then as men trust me and pray and, and pray things out, I will make happen what they choose. One of my favorite verses is Deuteronomy 30 uh, and verse 19. And he basically, I'm paraphrasing, but that verse says he's already pre-programmed earth and heaven to respond to the choices that we made. If you understand coding, if you, <laughs> I, I like coding. I've I, you know, built websites, I've done different things. I understand if I put this in, I'm going to get this out. God has already done that with the earth. Actually, I, I would be, uh, I've heard this said before, and I like, God likes math. You know, he actually, he is the best software coder that there is out there. He can teach you things uh, that, that are so much further uh, deep than what we think. And this is all in his wisdom. It's part of the reason why we're studying it. It doesn't look like that on the surface, yet underneath the surface, you have the wisdom of God that's sitting there waiting to be revealed and manifested in our lives. And that's who God is. He's actually given us so many things that we can overcome, that we can live good lives, we can help other people, and it's all waiting on us if we just know him and go after him, and he's not even making us do that. So I, I would say that the world and even a lot of religion has looked at that the wrong way. They look at like, well, I can't help what happens to me, all that. That's not true. That's not true at all. 
And uh, that's part of the reason why when actually man sinned, when man sinned, uh, part of the reason why God couldn't just swoop in and fix all of it, right? When man sinned, he couldn't just swoop in and fix all of it was because already in this moment, he had already said, I've given the earth to men. And so what he had to do was he came about with a plan to bring a man from heaven, his son Jesus, and then that man, as a man, had to fix the situation. And that's one of the reasons why Jesus had to come. And you'll notice even in the garden, he said, look, the seed of the woman. In other words, it had to be a human being. It had to be mankind that did it. Why? Because by his sovereignty, he had already given control of the earth to men. And so men gave that control over to the devil when they sinned, but the Lord had a plan, and it's a beautiful plan. One of my favorite verses is Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, I know the plans that I have for you to give you a future and a hope for you to fare well and not for calamity, right? He has no plans for our calamity. He actually only wants to get us blessed, uh, but man, have we twisted that and messed it up and gotten it all out of place and uh, there are some serious things that we should definitely adhere to, but um, it's one of those things where when we really learn the character and the nature of God, who truly is absolute love, we're like, oh my goodness, this makes perfect sense, and it really does. So you see that wisdom in here. God's not telling you, hey, you can't make a choice. He's saying if you make these choices, there are repercussions that are going to happen in a corrupted world. He said, but if you make these choices, you're going to be blessed. Going back to the coding aspect, I really feel like I need to, I need to share this part of it. Um, going back to that aspect, when there was actually some um, bio, um, excuse me, they, are, they were working on DNA. So there were some biologists working on DNA, and they got down into the DNA, and they saw what they thought was code. But they were biologists. They weren't computer scientists. And one of the things that they saw, they saw in the DNA, they said, this looks like computer coding. Like, it, we don't understand it. So they took that to Microsoft. They took it to some software engineers, some uh, computer scientists, and they said, look, what are we seeing here? And their report back to them was this. Their report back to them was, this is absolutely code written in DNA, but it is way beyond anything we have ever seen or touched. This is a coding way beyond our understanding. We, can't, we know it's code, but we can't tell you everything that it is. And so what I want you to see is that God has these things figured out. And he's written, you know, there's, you know, a lot of times people used to say you can't have a creation without a creator, but society has kind of accepted, okay, we can have creation without a creator. But one thing that we haven't really gotten to the place of deception in yet is, is that we can have, we can have code without a coder. And we have code without a software writer, right? If there's code there, there had to be somebody that wrote it, and that person in our own DNA is God. Uh, one time when I first started building, now why, why am I saying this? Because I'm focusing on the wisdom of God and the importance of his wisdom. 
And because if we'll learn how that every bit of wisdom that's in the world came from him, everything you know, I know, all the people, the architects know, the engineers know, all of the wisdom that like a judge may have on how to decide a case and how to do it properly, all of the wisdom written into founding documents of countries and all that, there's so much wisdom. Every bit of that wisdom came from a source, and that source is God. Think about this. Everything, every piece of trivia, everything that has ever been known on the earth, God was the origination of that wisdom. God was the origination of that understanding. So one time I I had a, um, I, I still have a company where we actually would develop websites, and it's not something that I push by any any stretch, but I got into it. I, I enjoyed it. I like that. I like coding. I like different things like that. And one of the things that I, I really got into, I loved writing that code and then having an output. And so a lot of, at this moment when I got into it, there was a wave to move into, uh, somebody might can put it in the comments too, is a... Um, what's called a WYSIWYG editor, which stands for what you see is what you get. So the first letter of each one, WYSIWYG. WYSIWYG editor. So at that point, there was a lot of these editors coming in where where people didn't really have to understand code. They just had a program that would help them place content in different areas. And as they place content in these different areas, um, they you know sometimes there would be bugs in it. Well, I learned how to program those websites and write those websites from the ground up. And so even though I didn't go to a technical school, I actually uh, learned how to write it from the ground up. And what ended up happening was, even though I was self-taught in it and everything, I ended up being a problem solver for other developers that did not know code. They just used these types of editors. And uh, the issue is, yep, there you go, Grayson got it, WYSIWYG. And so the issue is that when I started, I didn't know anything about it. And I went to the Lord. Now, see, I know that God has wisdom. And so no matter, I've learned this now, is no matter what I feel or what I see, if God's given me a direction to go, and this was something he had told me to do, there is provision in his word. There's provision in his word. We'll see that in Proverbs 4 today. And so one of the things I said, Lord, I know that you'll give me wisdom. You will give me wisdom on this item. You will give me wisdom uh, for this. And so when I went into it, uh, I said, Lord, help me. The very first job that I took, I I took the job. I had never actually built a website. I went ahead and took the contract. I, I knew I could do it between the Lord and I. And so what they wanted me to do, they had built a website using a free service, but there were ads everywhere. It was very slow and all of these things. Somebody had built it for them. They wanted a website that was faster, removed the ads. They had more control over. And so I said, I can do it. I can build that website. So I took that website, broke it down, rewrote all the code. Uh, I mean, it's so much simpler in the code than what what it was using. And uh, in the end, that was, uh, when I wrote that, it was kind of the end of the dial-up age, uh, which is, you know, you know, that that dial-up age. Um, No millennials know that. Um, So, (laughs) you remember it? 
Like you heard it when in your in the you were in high school when it stopped. You, you heard it in the yeah behind the bars of the crib. <laughs> anyway, so we had uh, it was still in that era. So I didn't have that. I went ahead and I had a broadband service, so it was harder to tell this. But I knew somebody that had dial-up still. I went to their house to pull up this website. I pulled up the old website. I pulled up the old website. It took over a minute to load the homepage. After I had, yeah, after I had rewritten the code on dial-up, it took less than 10 seconds. I think it was about seven or eight seconds to pull it completely up and it looked 10 times better and a lot faster. Now, here's the, here's the issue. Where did I get that wisdom from? It wasn't here. It wasn't here. That was actually, I said, Lord, you've got to help me. I know you will. He gave me wisdom that I did not have. He gave me wisdom that I didn't have. And no matter what you're facing, he will give you wisdom. See, he wrote these things not to keep stuff away from us, but to get good things to us. And so uh, I think it's Psalms 84.11 says, God is not withholding any good thing from those who walk uprightly. And so he is not withholding any good thing from those who walk uprightly. I can't tell you over the years, the wisdom that he has brought in different situations simply because I yielded to him instead of trying to be a know-it-all. You know, Lord, all right, you know everything. Why would I, why would I try to be a know-it-all when you already know everything? You know, I yield myself, humble myself to him. The Bible tells us in James and in 1 Peter that when we humble ourselves, grace is given, grace and greater grace, which is that supernatural power of God, including wisdom. So I, th- I just felt led at the beginning of this today to, to explain the deep wisdom of God that's available. Do you realize if he wanted to keep his wisdom away from us, all he had to do was not write the book of Proverbs or any other of the books in there. All he had to do was hold it away, hold it away from us. But because he wrote it, he was telling us, I want you to have these things. I want you to be blessed. I want you to be overcomers in everything that you do. All right, so now looking at Proverbs 4. Hear, O sons the instruction of a father. And and that's the first place I want us to to look at is we're not hearing the instructions of an enemy. We're not hearing the instructions of somebody who doesn't care. We are hearing the instruction of someone that wants to be a father to us. He, He is that loving father who loves us, the Bible says, with an everlasting love. It says, and give attention that you may gain understanding. This this is something that I think is very important. I wrote it in the side uh, notes of my Bible. We must, put this in the comments, please. We must take responsibility to give attention. We must take the responsibility to give attention to what God is saying. We must take responsibility to give attention to what God's saying. So a lot of times I find in our lives, in a very practical sense, that the issue is we just kind of wait for stuff to happen to us. You know, we will wait for things. And the world has taught us, even concerning God, well, if he wants to do it, he'll do it. No, no, that's not our approach. That's not what our approach should be. Our approach, and God's shown us this, when he's already given the world to us, our approach is 
And not just that we go and do whatever we want to do. That's not what it's saying. But our approach is God has made these things available for whoever wants them, but we must reach out with our faith and grab a hold of them. We don't leave them sitting on the table. We actually reach out with our faith to make these things available and grab a hold. When it says in Mark 11, it says, believe that you have received them. Talking about how to apply faith and see a manifestation of the promises of God. It's saying that with our faith, I see what the promise is. I see what Jesus paid for. And with my faith that God's given every person, I reach out spiritually and I take that thing by faith. And this is how we, honestly, this is how we see miracles all the time. This is how we see uh, financial miracles. This is how we see uh, wisdom come in, knowledge that other people, that's just supernatural. We take those things by faith. At the ministry, we see it all the time, all the time. All right, so now look at this. We must take responsibility to give attention to it. So we're saying, Lord, whatever you say, I take responsibility for it. I take that responsibility, and I'm going to give attention to what you say. And, and the Lord's, you know, he's already made it clear. You don't have to. You don't have to. It's, it's your choice. But why would we not pay attention to somebody who actually wants to be a good and loving father for us, only has, only has great plans and no plans for our calamity, knows how to tell us how to stay out of calamity, and he knows everything, right? He knows everything that's ever going to be, everything that's ever going to happen. He knows it all. How does this, why would we not pay attention to that? And most of the time, the reason we wouldn't pay attention to that or give attention to it is, We've been taught that that's not who he is. We've been taught that he's not a loving father, that he's playing games with our lives. We've been taught religion, but not actual godliness, and that's the issue. But when we recognize that, then we say, okay, let me pay attention to what he's saying. And I'm, I'm telling you from experience, and I could probably ask this whole room and everybody would, would cheer with the same thoughts, and that is this that when I have given attention to the things of God, my life has majorly gone up, right? See, everybody's saying yes. When I've actually done what God said this is a good idea to do, my life has gone up. So we need to give attention. Why not? If that's the case, and I have testimony after testimony of it, why don't we just do that? Why don't we just jump in all the time and do that? And so, all right, look at this. Verse uh, 2. For I give to you the Lord talking to us about wisdom. So the Lord is talking through Solomon here. The Holy Spirit is helping Solomon pen these words. It's not only the words of Solomon, but it is the words of God through him. And he says, For I give to you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. How many times have we, we know what we should be doing? <laughs> we know what we should be doing, but... <laughs> Then it's like, yeah, I know I should do that, but I feel like doing it, you know? And so we go do that thing that we really know we shouldn't be doing, and we've abandoned the wisdom and the instruction of God. And how many times does it work for us? Honestly, most of the time what's going to happen is you're going to get yourself on a path, and the end of it is death and destruction, some kind of lack in some way. If we'll just not abandon that, we'll be doing so much better. All right, so now let's look at this. He says, don't 
Don't abandon my instruction. Verse 3, when I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, the, the wisdom of the Lord taught me and his father said to him, through his, through his, uh, the Lord said to him through his father, let your heart hold fast my words. Let your heart hold fast my words. I think, so one of the things I think that's really been lost in our society today is our, our attention level. Remember, we must take responsibility for our attention. Our attention level is so microwave. In other words, we want everything. We want it now. We want to move past it, and we're done, and we forget the rest of it. You know, uh, the rest of history, we, we Heisman it. You know, we're, all right, I'm done with you, and I'm moving on. It's such a microwave society where we want it our way, we want it quick, and we get really super frustrated if we don't have a five-course meal in five minutes at, you know, at whatever restaurant we're going to. How in the world is it taking so long? You know, I've grown to the place now where when I go, when I actually go into a restaurant and they let me finish a course and then sit there for a few minutes, I really enjoy that. I enjoy not having to rush through those things, but enjoying each bite, enjoying each morsel. But can't you see that the world has taught us to be, you know, to grind things out, doom, 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 boom, 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 boom. And the issue is we get to the place where we hold on to nothing. So much information is coming through us and, and hitting our eyes and hitting our minds so much, so fast. And I mean, even on the phone and even what you're watching on now, it's like information, information, information. We have so many things that are hitting us all the time that what happens is we lose those, those parts that we should be holding on to. We lose because we're not giving patience and grabbing a hold of the things that we should. And in this verse, the loving father says this, let your heart hold fast my words. Hold fast to it. Hold on to it. Don't let it go. When I say something to you, don't let it go. Don't let it go. But many times, what, what's the attitude of our society today? The attitude of our society is very dishonoring, very, uh, you know, and it's like, even even on all the sitcoms and stuff like that, you know, the parents say something, the dad says something, and what's the what's the teenager? What's the teenager doing to the dad in the sitcom? You know, not not life wisdom, but the situational comedy, right? The sitcom, and the teenager's going whatever, dad, right? The exact opposite of this, and then we're wondering why we have different fruit in our lives because. There is something to be said when we honor our elders. God's already made a promise. He's given us promises on that. But see, the issue is if we won't honor our elders that we can see in front of our face, then how much of the stuff of God are we going to honor, right? There's something to do with honor in Second Samuel, or 1 Samuel 2, in verse 30, it says, God makes this promise, those that honor me, I will honor and those that despise me will be lightly esteemed. In other words, God says, if you'll honor me, I will honor you. And I've always made the statement is that transaction is not fair. It's always going to be weighted in our favor because I only have so much honor I can give out uh, by myself. 
But God, what honor can he give out? He holds the universe, right? His honor is on a different level. And so that's a great investment for me. If I will honor God and hold fast his words, the Lord, and then the Lord says, I will honor you too. Man, that's one of the best investments I can make. But if I can't do that with my, with my elders here on the earth, then how am I going to do that with God who I can't see? And so the world is really programming us to just be rebellious, do all of these things. But what if we don't know the Bible, the issue is we don't realize we're being programmed right out of blessings. And God's trying, this is why he gives us, and that's why we should pay attention to this, why we should hold fast to his words, because while the world is with all uh, violence and speed rushing away from honor towards rebellion, we need to have something that will anchor us to the blessings of God. All right, now, he says, let your heart hold fast my words. In other words, this is not just a, I'm keeping it in my head. It's in my heart. It's in the core of who I am. If, if one of my elders says something, if God says something, I want to hold it, hold it to my heart, right? All right, and then you'll see this. He says, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. So God says, when you keep my commandments, life is attached to that. And anytime the Lord talks about life, it's not like in John 10, 10. Anytime that, that the Lord talks about life, he's not just talking about staying alive. He's talking about fullness of life. In other words, you have a full overflow in every area of your life. And so when he says, Keep my commandments. Hold fast to my words. Do what I tell you to do. You'll have life overflowing in every area of life. These are promises that God has made us. All right, now look here. Verse 5. Acquire wisdom. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. So he's given us a command here. He just told us, if you'll follow my command, you'll have fullness of life. And now he's given us a command to actually hold on to and follow. Get wisdom, get understanding. Now, I'm going to go over, when we get to Proverbs chapter 24, I'm going to specifically talk about the difference between wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. But let me give this very short description now. Wisdom speaks to a taught skill or a learned skill. You can put that in the comments. Wisdom is a learned skill. Understanding is a supernatural application of that wisdom. So wisdom is a learned or taught skill, and understanding is a supernatural application of that wisdom. So he doesn't want us to just have a learned skill. He wants to show us supernaturally, how do I take that wisdom and put it together? You know, How do you take that coding and make that website that will do 10 times better than the other website, right? How do you, so it's not just a, an ethereal woo-woo type of promise. This is a, a really based in the world reality that we can walk in and the supernatural. It's both. It's both realms in that way. So he says, get, learn skill, but then he also says, and get, the application, the supernatural, I will give you supernatural application on how to take that wisdom. Well, first of all, who is the source of wisdom and understanding? God is that source of both wisdom and understanding. 
And so, all right, Lord, you are my all in all. You're my everything. If I'll go after you, I'll have wisdom. If I'll go after you, I'll have understanding. I'll know what I need to know. I'll learn it, and I'll know how to apply it. Well, think about that. Where will we be in life if we do these things? Oh, my goodness. We will be so much ahead of of the game. All right? So acquire wisdom, acquire understanding, the second part of verse 5. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. So God's telling us, I think that we'll read through these sometimes and we will think, you know, we'll just, yeah, don't forget them, don't forget them. But, But here's the thing. He's saying keep them ever present in our mind that we never let go of wisdom and understanding, his wisdom and understanding. What he's telling us to do is we should apply attention and apply effort to not forget, to hold on to it. How many of us are sitting there like thinking during the day and during our free time like, all right, all right, Brian, don't forget this wisdom. Hold on to this wisdom. Let me meditate on that wisdom some more and not let it out of my mind, let it, not let it out of my heart. Let me hold fast to it. See, we're not thinking that many times, but yet this is a part of the command. This is why in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, he said this, the law, the law was the word of God in the first five books of the Bible. And he said to Joshua, he said, meditate on my word day and night. So what he was telling him is, meditate on the wisdom of God and the things that I've said day and night. And then he said, when you do this, you will make your way successful and prosperous. You will make it successful and prosperous. Prosperous. So what the Lord's telling us is, all right, like what you're learning today in Proverbs 4, you go back to it and you go, okay, let me, let me review what I learned today. Let me meditate on that for the rest of the afternoon. What was it that Pastor Brian said? Wisdom. You know, what is wisdom? What is understanding? How should we hold this wisdom? What will it give us? It'll give us fullness of, of life. God, these are the instructions of a father. So I'm meditating on that. I'm going back through it. Matter of fact, just because of the way it's falling today, I would recommend to you, go back and read through Proverbs chapter four, uh, maybe a couple of times. One time this afternoon, maybe before you go back to bed, meditate on some of the things that we've talked about today. And that's a part of doing this is don't forget it or turn away from the words of his mouth. Verse six, do not forsake her the wisdom of God. Wisdom of God, for she will guard you. She will guard you. She will guard you. This is a promise of God. If you will not forsake God's wisdom, his wisdom will protect you. His wisdom will guard you. Love her, love his wisdom, and she will watch over you. She will watch over you. I've had moments, I cannot tell you how many moments I've had in my life where I'm sitting there, I don't know anything's up, and the Lord says, and all of a sudden, he drops it in my spirit, this is about to happen, prepare yourself, or go this way so you avoid this. Um, the other day, the other day we were heading home, we were on a back country road, my wife and I, we're heading down the road, and I want you to see, let me read this again. Love the wisdom of God, love her, uh, verse 6, part 2, the second part of verse 6. Love God's wisdom, and his wisdom, spoken of as a she here, she will watch over you, the wisdom of God. So I'm heading down the road on a country road, and all of the sudden, 
I see I'm coming up to an intersection. I get a vision from the Lord. And in that vision, I saw a car starting to pull in front of us too late, like it was going to pull right out in front of us. And so I went through, I went through that intersection. Nothing happened there. But one, one mile down the road was another intersection. When I got to that intersection, there was a car there, and it started to do that exact thing. I was already prepared because I was looking. I was like, I know what I saw from the Lord. So I was already slowed down, and that car started to pull. Then it realized what it did, and it, and it stopped. But I was already prepared. I think they saw me slow down, and it woke them up. But what would have happened had I not been guarding that wisdom and I not... Think about this. What if I just would have thrown that piece away? Maybe I wouldn't have been slowing down. They wouldn't. That little bump in my car might not have made them wake up and stop. You see. So this is a way where wisdom guards you. One time I was in the church and in the ministry, and I was actually uh, getting ready for the day. I was praying in the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Spirit was helping me pray out some things. And He showed me. He spoke to me specifically. And he said, uh, you're about to have this problem with this person. And I said, okay, what do you need me to do? What do you need me to do? He said, just pray about it in the Holy Spirit. It'll turn, it'll turn good if you'll handle it. And so he showed me exactly what to do. Wisdom watched over it. Two weeks later, I had that exact problem come up with that same person. And then, and then I knew exactly what to do. I'd been praying about it. And the Lord actually turned it where it could have been something very detrimental. It actually turned into a great positive. Another time in ministry, I was sitting there. And again, listen, love God's wisdom, and that wisdom will watch over you. Uh, one time I was sitting there in the ministry, and, I, and there's verses that will say that show us this, that God will show you the thoughts of man. The, it'll sh he'll show you those thoughts. And I literally heard, in, I heard it in my spirit, man. I heard the thoughts that a person was having. Yeah. I heard it in their voice and what the thoughts were. About a week or two later, I actually found out that it was a problem. What they were doing was wrong. How they were thinking was wrong. And I actually went down the road, found out that's exactly what they were doing, and I needed to handle it and help, help the person out and everything. But God was watching over me and over the ministry by showing me what he needed by his wisdom. And we, if we will learn to honor God's wisdom, we'll flow in more and more and more of it. Verse 7, the beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. The beginning of it is get it. <laughs> get it. Uh, and second part, and with all your acquiring, get understanding. In other words, don't just get wisdom, which is a learned skill. It's kind of like going to school and learning something, but learn how to apply it. So for example, today you're hearing wisdom come across in a teaching in the book of Proverbs chapter four. But the issue is not that you just sit here and go, okay, okay, amen, amen. You don't just do that. You say, all right, Lord, how do I apply this today? How do I apply this to my life? So what he's saying is don't just get the teaching and grow in your learning and your skill. Grow, acquire understanding. Lord, how do I apply this? Ask him who has all the wisdom, who has all the understanding. Show me how to apply it to my household, my job, my life today. And God will do that. 
He will show you how to do it. Don't just get the learned teaching and skill. Get the application as well. These two things are the beginning of wisdom. Verse 8, prize her and she will exalt you. If you will prize God's wisdom, God's wisdom will exalt you to higher places. She will honor you if, there's a big if there, if you'll embrace her. And embracement means I'm going to do it this way. I'm happy to do it this way. I want to do it this way. Lord, thank you for showing me your way. That's an embracement. If we're sitting on the sidelines, we're always like, yeah, that, I don't know about that. You know, we'll, yeah, uh, maybe maybe one day I'll do something godly. You know, maybe, I don't know. I, I believe he's probably a pretty good guy. That is not an embracing of the things of God. And because of that, we're not going to see this promise He says, embrace her and she will honor you. This is an honor from God, right? Verse 9, wisdom will place on your head a garland of grace. Now, if you understand grace, that is the love of God, the supernatural power of God, the supernatural favor of God. That means if I I will grab a hold and embrace wisdom, There'll be a grace on my life that will decorate my life. (laughs) Think about that. Grace of God will decorate my life if I will embrace wisdom. What a promise. What a promise that God has given us. And just think, these things have been available for how long? This was written thousands of years ago. All of this is available, but people have not adhered to it. They've not embraced it, so they've not had it in their life. But if we, will, if we will embrace God's wisdom, he will, his wisdom will decorate our life with supernatural grace, love, power, favor. He will decorate our life with those things. She will present you with a crown of beauty. Man, I really need to get some wisdom. <laughs> she will decorate you with a crown of beauty. If anybody can use a crown of beauty, I definitely could use one. Verse 10, hear my son and accept my sayings. You notice how many times he's saying, hold on to it, accept this. And why would he tell us these things over and over again? Why would he tell us to hold on to it, to accept his things? Why would he tell us those things? Because he knows that we're going to be tempted to let go of them. So he's given us some instruction ahead of time to help us be strengthened and strong when those temptations to let go of his wisdom come. That we'll say, oh no, this is not what I need to do. I need to hold on to this. I know, and and watch this. Maybe in the world, logically, I'm going to lose money if I do God's wisdom right here. If I perform God's wisdom right here, I'm going to lose money. But then we have to go back to the Proverbs that we looked at before where it says, his wisdom is greater than than gold, right? His wisdom is greater than gold and silver and anything that we'll ever desire. So that's what we've already talked about in the chapters before. So when I say, all right, I may lose money right here on this, but if if I do this, I'm going to uphold God's wisdom. I understand that his wisdom is worth more to me than what it looks like I may lose. I recognize and I embrace that I'll gain more from holding on to his wisdom than letting it go here to save a few dollars. I cannot tell you how many times I've watched this play out in my life. There's a lot to be said for character. There's a lot to be said for trusting God because he's the one who has it all. All right? He says, he says this. 
He says, hear my son and accept my sayings. Again, we know that we're going to be tempted to let go of his sayings. He's telling us that, and he's telling us, but don't do that. Don't let go of them. Accept them. Hold on to them. He says, and the years of your life will be many. In other words, you will have a long, long life. Verse 11, I have directed you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in upright paths. Now, I want you to hear this. What this tells us is God has released his wisdom into the world, and he's released it to you and to I. He has released his wisdom. He's released to us the upright paths. He says, this is my way. I have directed you. Not I'm going to direct you. I have directed you. That means it's available to us. Now, many people are blinded to that. When we actually say, when we say, I don't want anything to do with God, I don't want anything, we close the curtains on God's wisdom and we'll have no vision to see these things that will take us into promises. But when we open up the curtains of our own pride and we step into humility and say, Lord, show me your wisdom, I know you'll give it to me. He says, I've already done it, here it is. And this is one of the things I wrote down is, God's way is always wisdom. God's way is is always wisdom. He says, I have directed you in the way of wisdom. In other words, I'll never not direct you in the way of wisdom. His way is the way of wisdom. Verse 12, when you walk, your steps will not be impeded. And if you run, you will not stumble. Look at these promises. When I walk and when I run in the wisdom of God, there'll be no hurdles in front of me. There'll be nothing that will slow me up. There'll be, there'll be no tripping down and falling down if I will just walk in his wisdom. That means his wisdom will show me everything, how to circumvent every hurdle, how to dodge every trap. His wisdom will keep me. Put that in the comments. God's wisdom will keep me. Then... It says in verse 13, take hold of instruction, do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. How many times is he going to say this, right? How many times is he going to tell us, take hold of it, make it mine, don't let go. Take hold of it, make it mine, don't let go. Why would he say that so many times? Because in this corrupted world, it's going to, there's going to be places where it is easy to our flesh to let go of the wisdom of God. And he's telling us ahead of time, don't do it. Hold on to it. Make it a priority in your life, and you will see the fullness of life abound in your life. Verse 14, do not enter the path of the wicked. Don't enter that path. Don't enter that path. You know, recently, recently uh, I've, I've been introduced into... Uh, the world of uh, cryptocurrency, uh, which I've been in for quite some time, but even more in, in NFTs and stuff like that. One of the most interesting things is, you, the, one of the first things you have to figure out is, is this project actually legit or not? Because there are tons of scammers that are wicked just trying to steal money from other people. They're trying to find ways just to make a quick buck. It's wicked. And people are tempted, like, I could go and do that too. But this is what he's saying. He said, don't even enter the path. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you, let me, let me back it up. The path of the wicked, we already know the end of it is destruction, it's lack, it's problems. But the path of the wicked, we look at as just the actions of the wicked. 
just the actions of the wicked, okay? But the problem is that path doesn't start there. It doesn't just start in physical actions. The path of the wicked starts when you meditate on it. The path of the wicked doesn't start in just actions. It starts in meditation. And if you look at sin, most of the time we don't sin as soon as we're tempted with it. We sin after we meditate on that path of sin, on the path of that wickedness. One of the hardest times I ever had in my life was a moment where I meditated on the wrong things. And I'm telling you, that thing got in, in my heart and it got, and I just, I was dealing, I didn't want it to be there as a believer in my heart. That was not who I was in the spirit. But man, in my flesh, I'd allowed it to get in my thinking. I'd allowed it to get in my heart. And it was hard. It was hard for me to overcome. I had a similar uh, situation when I was in boot camp. I was in boot camp. I got it in my head. There's the power of our mind in this way. I got it in my head. I wanted to go home. And I'm telling you, and my, my brain and my thoughts, day in, day out, day in, day out, was I want out of boot camp. I do not want to stay here. Praise God, I had a good drill instructor who, who said, when I brought it up to him, uh, because I had enough days where I got enough guts to bring it up to my drill instructor, because I was having pain in my body, I thought I was hurt, I thought I was, I thought I was you know, about to break my leg off and, and have a stub for the rest of my life. I just thought I was in bad shape. I took it to my drill instructor, and my drill instructor basically said, shut up, right? Get back out there and go to work. You're not going home. And that was the end of that conversation. I went, well, they ain't letting me out of here. And so as soon as he, he did that, and, they and I realized I'm not getting out of here. Like, they'll just, they're going to break me. They're, I'm either going to make through or they're going to break me, one or the other. But that's the way it is. As soon as I got that, my whole mindset changed, and that thinking that I've been meditating on went away because I knew they weren't going to let me. Instantly, my legs started feeling better, and I didn't have any problem with that any, any longer. My brain was literally causing me to have a problem so that I could go home because it didn't want to be there. Now, I'm not saying that all of that was the path of the wicked. I'm showing the strength of that path when we start thinking on the wrong thought. And so the path of the wicked that we are to avoid doesn't just mean don't do the actions. It means don't even think the thoughts that would get you to the actions. And we have to take authority over that. We have to be, we have to be prepared to make sure that we apply that discipline of wisdom long before we take those actions. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not proceed in the way of evil men. Don't even proceed that way. You find out that people are wicked and evil, run the other way. The Bible says flee youthful lust. Flee those temptations. Verse 15, avoid it. Do not pass, don't even pass by it. Don't even pass by it. You know, don't even pass by it. <laughs> Think about this, all right? You're walking home. You're walking home and you know that on your way home is a street and down that street is all kinds of wickedness and evil things. Now, and watch, your corrupted flesh wants to go down that street. Your, your flesh wants to, you know. I had a period of time in my life where God was calling me to preach, but I was fighting with it, and I went out, and, you know, I would go and play cards and, you know, smoke cigarettes and, and drink beer and whatever else and just party all night, you know. And, uh, 
My wife's at home. I'm called to preach. I'm called to minister. I'm struggling with this. I'm having a hard time. And uh, now watch this. So imagine in that moment where I'm heading home, but I know down this street is all those things that my flesh wants to do, my corrupted flesh wants to do. God says, look at this, look at this commandment. He says, avoid it. Do not pass by it. In other words, if I'm going home and I know they're doing all these things my flesh wants to do down that street, he's, he's telling me, find a new way home. Find a new way home. Don't even walk by that street so you don't look down there and sniff all the fun in the flesh and sin that they're having. Find a new way home. Don't, don't even open up the door to peek in, you know? Don't even open up the door to see what's down there. Oh, yeah. Don't even open up. He says, don't pass by it. This is what he's talking about, about, about wickedness. Don't even pass by it. Turn away from it and pass on. So as soon as you get a whiff of sin or wickedness or anything, we should immediately go, oh, no, no, I'm going somewhere else. And why is God telling us to take away the fun of the flesh? No, he's not. Because he's, he knows the wages of sin is death. Death in our finances, death in our health, death, physical death in that way. The wages of sin is death. He doesn't want us to experience that. He wants us to experience life to the full till it overflows. And this is a great thing about God. I love this is every time the Lord has told me to not do something, he has replaced that thing with something that's better without all the bad fruit of the other, right? Every single time. So eventually I came up with a, stay, a saying that basically says this, that anything I must recognize, that anything God asked me for is always opportunity for increase. Anything the Lord asks is always opportunity for increase. And, and I found that in his word, and then I've seen that actually come true time and time and time and time, time again. All right, so now, turn away from it and pass on. Verse 16, for they cannot sleep unless they do evil. They're heading towards evil all the time. And they are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. See, when they get so far into the wickedness, like they just got to do it. I had a friend one time, I had a friend one time, and he, he was not completely wicked, but this will show you the, the pattern of it. He was not completely wicked. He was a decent guy, uh, not born again, but he was a decent guy. And he, but he had a habit of lying. He had lied to, you know, keep relationships and, you know, lied to this girl or that girl and everything. And he had a habit of lying. And I remember one day, we were standing there in front of a girl that he was dating or something, and, and he was seeing, he was seeing uh, somebody else, and, and he wanted to see this person too, I think. I, I forget the exact situation. And, and he, wa he wasn't completely wicked, but obviously it was, he wasn't operating godly either. And, um, but here he goes, and he goes to talk to this girl, and he, and he completely lies to her. And the issue was... There was no need for a lie. There was nothing to cover up. There was like not even anything that uh, had to be lied about for him to have what he wanted in the flesh. There was nothing there. And, and afterwards, after the conversation was over and he and I were alone, I said, dude, I said, why did you, why'd you lie? There was nothing to even cover up. And he goes, 
I don't know. I don't know. And so the issue was he had gotten into a habit of wickedness. He had gotten into the habit of thinking like that. And I want you to see, they cannot sleep unless they do evil. They, they, and they are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. When we start down that path of wickedness, it, it always slides down that slippery slope to the point where we have to do wickedness. So why even start? Why even begin? Stay away from it. Pass by it. Verse 17, for they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. Verse 18, this is one of my favorite verses of all time. Proverbs 4, 18. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. Have you ever been like inside and uh, you had all the windows closed and everything was super dark or something like that, or maybe in a movie theater, and you've been watching the movie theater, everything's dark, all of a sudden you open up the back door and walk out, and it's noonday sun, and you're like, good night. Oh, wow, it's so bright. That's what this is talking about here. This is the promise of God. When we don't walk wickedly, but we walk in wisdom and righteousness, then our path in that righteousness is like the light of dawn, that shines brighter and brighter. In other words, every step that we take gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter till it's like that noonday sun when we step out of that dark place. so bright you can't even hardly see because it's so good. This is the wisdom of God. This is the plan of God. You know, one of the things that you hear people say all the time is like, well, I'd be all right, but it's like I, I take one step forward and two steps back. That is not the plan of God. That is not the plan of God. The plan of God is for you to take a step forward and another step forward and another step forward and another step forward. That is the plan of God. Verse 19, for the way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. So we can see where to go, what to do. If we will take wisdom and walk in righteousness, it gets brighter and brighter. It gets better and better. But the wicked, they'll be stumbling over themselves. They don't even know what's causing them to trip. They can't see. Their their path is not bright. It gets darker and darker. Verse 20, these are huge, huge promises here. My son, give attention to my words. Again, he's telling us, give me attention. Give attention to my words. Pay attention to it. Hold on to it. But notice what he says here, my words. Just put this in the comment. There is power in the words of God. There is power in the words of God. Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Now, I'll just point out here something. Number one, giving attention to his words is in our mind. So his word should have a footing. His word should have a root. His word should have attention in our mind. Incline your ear to my sayings. His word should be in our ears. We should be hearing it audibly. His words are not to depart from our sight. So the words of God should be in our mind, in our ears, and in our eyes. So it's not enough for me just to see the word of God. I need to hear it, and I also need to have it in my mind. It's not enough for me just to have it in my mind and be able to quote it. I need to hear the word of God spoken, and I, I need to set my eyes on it. It's not enough just for me to hear it in preaching. 
I need to set my eyes on it. I need to think about it afterwards and meditate on it. And then the fourth thing is keep them in the midst of your heart. So the Word of God needs to be in our mind, in our ears, in our eyes, and in our heart. In other words, they don't just all come into the senses and our, and our logical realm only. The Word of God needs to get in us. It needs to get into the core of who we are. And that means we take meditation on it. We don't just sit there. We have a meditation on that word, and we meditate on it. Watch this. His word becomes who we are. His word become is designed to become. This is who we are. And he says this. I love this. When we do it, verse 22, when we let his word be in our mind, in our ears, in our eyes, and in our heart, verse 22, his word is life to those who find them. Just his word. We need his word. We need his wisdom. We need his righteousness. We need his understanding. But his word, there's power in his words. There's power in them. He says, my word alone, when you get them in your heart, your mind, your eyes and ears, it will be life to you and health to all your body. Legitimate healing to your body. I, I got testimonies of people that were needing a healing, and all they did, they just put on the Word of God and kept listening to it, listening to it, and health came into their body. Why? Because the Word of God is powerful and alive. Verse 23, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. From your heart flows the springs of life. Now, we got a few more verses. And let me read these verses and talk about them. Now, I want to tell you one story coming back to this verse 23. Verse 24, put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. Don't speak those things. Don't say those things. Why is it that we have to? Uh, there's a guy, and I know that he's not completely clean, but there's a guy right now that's popular on social media, uh, Kabi, I believe it is, K-H-A-B-Y. He's not necessarily somebody that I'm recommending for everybody to go watch or anything like this. But here's what I like about him, and I think, and I, I don't think, you know, I don't think his actions represent a Christian in what I've seen outside of the things that he's put on social media. But here's what I do like. He's able to be funny without even saying a word, and especially without like cuss words. Like you don't have to cuss to be funny, and he's proving that. All he's doing is doing this, and people are laughing, and he's, and he's built all these followers without, even, without cussing, without having wickedness in his mouth. It's doable. Why do we have to go that way? The world is drawing us that way, but God is drawing us a different way. Put away from us a deceitful mouth and put away from us devious speech. Put it far from you. Verse 25, let your eyes look directly ahead. Let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet, and all your ways will be established. Pay attention to those small things. Remember, the Bible says it's the small foxes that ruin the vine. Pay attention to those ways. Don't just, don't just blow through life without giving attention to the Word of God and how God would have us to do these things. He says, watch the path of your feet, and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot. From evil. God's saying, look, if you'll do this, there's fullness of life to be had uh, for us. I want to go back to this one thing, verse 23. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. 
We need to guard our heart. We need to guard the core of who we are. We need to guard uh, those pieces. It says, for from it springs, and for from it flow the springs of life. It flows the springs of life. We need to guard our heart. One time, I've been working really hard in ministry. I've been working really hard in ministry. I was thinking about this this morning. I was working really hard. I was tired. I had been doing a lot, and it came to a day. I think I think it was a Saturday. I had no, um, I had nothing to do that day, which was good. Uh, it was good to have some time to rest. And I was sleeping late. I turned on the t. I woke up. I turned on the TV, and uh, I forget exactly what it, what it was. But I remember seeing a program that caught my attention. And it caught my attention because it was technical. It was kind of sciencey, and you know, different things like that. And it looked worldly. It looked really worldly. Uh, but I was tired. Kind of, and watch this. There's a there's a trap. There's a trap. And it it felt like it was like I've been working hard. I deserve a break. I deserve a treat. And so I felt like. I want to treat my flesh, my corrupted, sinful flesh right now. Like, I want to give it a treat. I know this program's worldly. I know it's worldly, but, you know, I've been working hard. I deserve this. Anytime you hear the words, I deserve, in your mind, you, you need that needs to be a red flag, right? That needs to be a red flag. I deserve this. So I really don't like it when people say, you deserve this. They don't know what they're saying, and they don't know a lot of times the spiritual root that's behind that. It's very dangerous, and, and it's a trap. It doesn't sound like it's big and dangerous, but it is. A, I deserve does truly need to be a red flag in our, in our lives. So one of the things that you see, so I'm, I'm sitting here, and uh, I'm like, I deserve this. I've been working hard, and I kind of want to treat my flesh. Let me watch this thing. What I didn't know, I had a feeling about it. I had a feeling about it, and I had, and I want you to see this, I had the word from the Lord saying, don't you turn that program on. I knew it in my heart. I knew it, but I was tired. I allowed myself to get too tired, and I felt like I deserved something, and I went ahead and I watched that program. Well, what I didn't know in that program was it was completely demonically inspired. It was completely demonically inspired. And I, Now, watch this. I'm going to tell you. But it wasn't that my flesh didn't like the program. My flesh liked the program. But there was an inspiration on that thing that was deep and dark. I mean, it was deep and dark. And, and eventually it made me almost sick to my stomach and I turned the thing off. But it was too late. I'd already seen enough. And that thing, that, that whole thought and, and what I saw and what I watched... God, I mean, it was it was dark on different levels. It you know it was it was just wrong. It was just wrong. Should have never been on TV. Should have never been on something you know that was so public. Uh, it's amazing what we've allowed to be on primetime now and stuff like that. But it was deep and it was dark. Now here's what I want you to see. And my flesh wanted pieces of that because my our flesh is corrupted. And instead of taking, see, I should have never even seen it. I should have avoided the path, right? I should have walked by the road and been like, no, I'm not doing that. I should have gotten up 
and gone and you know, gotten out of bed and, and stopped being lazy that day and stopped being in an I deserve mentality is what I should have done. I should have not sat there in that I deserve mentality. I know better than that, but I didn't do it this day. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm going to tell you, that thing got in my heart. That, that show got in my heart. And it was, I forget, maybe an hour that I saw of it. But that thing, it was demonic. There was, there was death in it. There was killing. and to, There was a technical side of it which intrigued me, but there was some dark stuff. It got in my heart. And there were pieces of it that were tempting to your flesh. There was, there was all this different stuff. It got in my heart. And I'm going to tell you, I had to deal with that for months. It was like six months of watching that one one-hour program because as I thought about it, even though I didn't like it in my spirit, as I thought about that thing, it got in my heart. And, and this is this verse, is I really felt led to share this with you. Verse 23, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. During that period of time, I did not feel like I had life coming out of me at all. And I'm, I'm a pastor, and I'm, I'm, I'm going after the things of God, and I was doing the best I could. And here's what I should have done. First of all, I should have never been in that position. I should have never been thinking I deserve. And when I saw it, I should have never thought I want to watch that. I should have passed by that road. Had I done any one of those three things, I would not have dealt with this. But then once I watched it, I should have never meditated on it one iota past that, not one second past that. I shouldn't have meditated on it. I shouldn't have allowed my flesh to have a way. I should have followed the wisdom of God. And because I didn't, that got in my heart. And I'm telling you, it was painful to deal with. And the truth is, if I hadn't have been strong in my walk with the Lord, it could have completely taken me out of ministry and everything else. And you're like, one TV show? Yeah, because it got to my heart. It got to my heart. And I wasn't watching after my heart right. This is a major point. Most people don't realize what they have in their heart. They don't allow what they've, they don't realize what they've allowed there. And that, and because they don't, and they're not dealing with it, they don't know what to do when they have something there. They don't know how to get that out of their heart. Uh, it just stays there and it takes them down. We have to watch those things, but the best thing is when we see the road that's down that path, we go a different way home, amen? That way it's so much easier. We don't have to deal with that, but if you find yourself in that place where you know that it's not been the wisdom of God and your heart's been compromised, then reach out. Reach out for that help. God doesn't want you to sit there, and he does have help for it, and I want to pray for everybody now. Listen, it's the wisdom of God that we want. But if we find ourselves, we're in, we're in a place where we're compromised, reach out for help, especially the people that know how to see manifestation. But you've got to make up your mind. I want this to change. See, that was part of the issue. That was part of the struggle that I had. There were pieces of that that I wanted in my flesh. There were pieces that I just wanted to hang on to. I've watched people like, they're like, I know I should forgive, but I just don't want to forgive. And they want to hang on to unforgiveness. That's what I mean. There's things like that, and all of a sudden that unforgiveness gets in our heart. Man, once it gets in our heart, the springs of life that actually dry up, and it is, a, it is a wretched and dry place. We don't want to be there. If you find yourself in that place, reach out to a place, to a ministry that understands that. Right now, I want to pray for people that may have found themselves in that place, 
and, and you believe God for healing and, and you start doing the right things, whether your flesh wants to do it or not. But I want all of us to be encouraged. Go after wisdom. Go after understanding. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, let wisdom and understanding come in the name of Jesus. And Lord, if there have been any hearts that have been compromised by sin, Father, you know I have a tender place for that, for people. And Lord, let those hearts be healed by your great power now. Let light come into their lives, into their minds, and into their hearts. Lord, let your word be planted and rooted in our heart, mind, eyes, and ears. And out of it, Lord, let your life flow, flood and flow in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for health and healing coming in Jesus' name. And I just feel led to pray this today. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe, maybe you do, but you recognize I need more of his salvation power in my life today. If that's you, I want you to pray this. Like every single one of us, we messed up. I messed up. Even as a pastor, I messed up. If you want to get that relationship right today, pray this with your heart right now. God's given you a measure of faith to utilize it right now in this moment. Just pray this with me. Say, say Lord, in Jesus' name, you are the Lord of my life. Jesus you are my Lord. You are the director of my life. Whatever you tell me to do, I will do. And I believe that you took my problems, my sin, my mess on you, and you took it and paid for it at the cross and took it to the grave. And I believe that God brought you back to life and cut off every problem that would ever try to hang on to us. And with Christ, I am raised up with him, free of sin, free of death, free of every part of unrighteousness from this day forward. Jesus, I ask you, fill me with the power of God, with the Holy Ghost and fire, to walk out your blessing and as your witness for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that for the first time or you prayed it, you really need to pray it today, go to whatsright.com, W-H-A-T-S-W-R-I-G-H-T.com and send us a message and tell us that you prayed that today and uh, we just praise God for you. We love you. Did you get something out of Proverbs chapter 4? Like, you know, I said at the beginning that it was a, a simple a simple book, but it was a simple chapter. But man, there was a bunch in there. And the, the more we talked about, the more the Holy Ghost brought wisdom out on it. And uh, it is pretty simple, but there was, man, there's some nuggets in Proverbs chapter 4. If you haven't seen the other chapters in the Proverbs series, make sure to click that link, go to that Proverbs series, check it out, check out all the different chapters that we've done we praise God for you. If you would like to sow today, you're welcome to. You don't have to. We sow this broadcast every weekday into the, into the world. If you would like to be a part of that, you're welcome to. You definitely don't have to. If you'd like to, you can go to giveww.org. You can go uh, Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, Text to Give, Cryptocurrency. Uh, you can give one time or give on a recurring basis. All of that at giveww.org. And anybody that's giving today, I just want to pray and bless it. Father, thank you so much for people. 
that will partner with us in their resources, not just money, but their time, Lord, their prayers, everything, every piece of it. Lord, let it be blessed. Press down, shaking together, running over. Let blessings, your blessings, Father, come on them as a loving Father, multiplied supernaturally today. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you so very much. We'll see you tomorrow for Lunch Plus at 1130. And I don't know who's wrapping it up. Buddy. It's me. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. This has been a good broadcast. Uh, do us a favor. Spread the word. Uh, if this ministered to you, guess what? That means it'll minister to someone else. So we want to encourage you to spread the word. Share this broadcast with someone who you know needs it uh, because this can be a life. This will be a life-changing word for them. But guys, thank you so much for joining us today for Lunch Plus. We had fun with you guys. And we will see you tomorrow at 1130 for Lunch Plus. Love you guys. We'll see you then.